0: If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter eight, and while you while you turn there, um, I'm going to read a quick verse out of Ephesians chapter four that I set up last week um, that kind of frames um, where we're where we're kind of sitting for these next uh, for these couple weeks. and and really in Ephesians four, I'll just kind of recap it really quick for us. Paul is writing to the Ephesian Church. Uh, imploring them not just to, he's not just writing to new believers, he's writing to those who he knows, who he has spent years ministering with, years uh, doing life together with on a couple different ministry journeys. And he is now writing from prison telling them to continue to mature in their faith, to continue to keep going. And he draws a a picture between uh, John chapter 11, uh, when Jesus heals Lazarus, Lazarus comes out of the tomb. He is alive, but he's still bound by some things. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And Paul uses that picture to tell us that there are some things that as we mature and progress in this life, um, that that we are to um, be intentional about recognizing what needs to go and what needs to Stay. What needs to go and what do I need to put on anew? And Paul is essentially referencing saying, hey, there there are some things, no matter how much you learn about God, uh, let it never cross your mind that you don't need to be taught more about God. And that's our prayer every time we come in here is that, God, we want more of you. We want to see more of your character, see more of your nature. We want to be more like you than we ever have been before. And Paul is basically saying, out with the old, in with the new. There's some things that you need to intentionally put on so that we can be the best examples possible of this of, of Jesus to the world around us, but yet also that we might experience the fullness of life that Jesus invites us into. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul says, of the things that you need to intentionally focus on putting on, he says this, Ephesians four, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you, okay? Last week we talked about kindness and talk, recognized that kindness isn't natural, it's supernatural. Kindness is something uh, that we need to grow in and allow with the Holy Spirit. If it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, it cannot be a fruit of my flesh, right? And I need to grow in this. It's a big deal. Tonight we're going to talk about compassion. And for that, Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. This is one of my favorite parts. In scripture is the amount of times Jesus told people not to go tell people who he was and they went and did it anyways. It's interesting that he tells them not to do it and they go and do it, Um, but not to throw shade on anybody, but Jesus tells us to go do it. And yet we oftentimes struggle with that very, that very opposite deal there. Uh, But Jesus says, go and don't tell anyone, but go, go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them, I want to talk tonight, we're going to preach a message titled this, Full of It. Full of It. And we're talking about compassion. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask that in these next few moments that we share, you would speak to each and every one of us. God, that you would allow us to sense your presence so tangibly in this place, continually throughout this entire time. Spirit, that you would speak to each and every one of us. You would open our hearts to feel as you'd need us to feel, as you would like us to feel, our ears to hear what you want us to hear and our eyes to see, you and what you're asking us to step into. We love you and our desires to be more like you as we leave than when we came in. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, how much um, How much stock do you put in first impressions? A lot, a lot. Somebody said a lot over here. Other people just, nah, I don't really care too much, you know? Um, First impressions, right? Like we, we think about first impressions as it relates to like our job, right? Like you go, you, maybe you got an interview and you know, this is where like you really wanna put your best foot forward and you, you wanna wear all the right clothes and, and you wanna like do your hair the right way, you know, and it never seems to work out exactly how you want it to on the day you need it to, you know, uh, we, we, we value first impressions, especially for us, for, for most of us, okay? Um, I, I value first impressions and, and where this really comes to a head for me is um, Audie and I, we, just so you know, I got permission to share this story, okay? Before I say that, um, I asked her about it, and she said, yes, you can say that. So um, first impressions, uh, Audie, my wife and I, Audie, we met when we were about 10, 11 years old, and we had as much of a thing as you could have in middle school, you know what I'm talking about? We never actually talked to each other, but you both know, you know what I mean? Like, She's mine, I'm hers, we don't ever talk, we don't ever sit next to each other, but you just know. Um, our our families were really good friends. Uh, my dad was a pastor at the church, her dad was on, the, was on the board, and so we hung out a lot as families, and we had as much of the thing as you could have in, in middle school, until right before ninth grade, my family moved all the way across the country to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so from California to Atlanta, that's a little bit of a distance for a ninth grader to maintain a long distance relationship, okay? Uh, but we tried. You know, we did our best and we wrote letters back and forth. We emailed back and forth for a little bit. And, uh, but obviously, as you could probably imagine, we didn't stay as connected as we would have liked to during the time. Uh, but after high school, uh, so we stopped talking for about three years or so. After high school, uh, we're not really thinking anything of it. We, we end up reconnecting, end up talking a little bit over the phone. And, and we decide, hey, let's, let's I'm going to fly out there over after Christmas, over New Year's, and I'm going to see you and, and, and we're, just gonna, we're just gonna hang out. And I got some other friends that live over there too, so we're gonna hang out. So I fly there and I, and I'm, I land in California and I'm on my way down the escalator to baggage claim, which is where Audie and I said uh, that we were gonna meet. And again, I haven't seen this girl in like five years, okay? Haven't seen this girl. We talked a little bit, but haven't seen her. Okay, so like this is moment of truth here. You know what I mean? Like all my friends used to say, like like I hope like it's a whole person. You know what I mean? And not just like a picture. You are you sure what you're getting into? Show up, and I'm coming down the escalator, get to the baggage claim, and she runs. This girl runs, jumps on me, and immediately just starts to kiss me right there. Okay, now we're now I'm in college at the time, and it was at that moment I was like, I do, I do. I can get behind this, you know, like I am for this, I don't, done, we're good, first impression, check, I'm in, you know, and uh, it was at that moment I knew, thank you, Lord, you are good, you do love your children, you do give good gifts to your children, and I'm thankful, I'm thankful for her, but that, that, that was the first impression, first moment after years of not seeing each other, years of not really talking, and and we've talked ever since, and life has continued to get better and better. And better every single day. But I wonder. First impressions. What what's interesting is even throughout all of Scripture we see that first firsts matter to God. Firsts are firsts are a really big deal. From Genesis through Revelation, what you'll find is firsts matter. First children. First the, the 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 first of all the even the income and the resource that God has given us. All of these. See the first. Matters. And and I want you to understand that of all of the things that God could have, the first time God chose to speak and to say who He is, to describe who He truly was for His creation to understand truly who their Creator was, first word God uses to tell us about Himself is compassionate. Exodus chapter. 34 beginning in verse six, the Bible says this, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Look at all the things that he uses to describe himself thereafter, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not love the guilty, he does not leave the guilty unpunished, and he punishes the children and their children to the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generation. Now, a lot there. The first word that God uses to describe who he is to you and I is compassionate. Interestingly, In Matthew chapter 8, where we read, where we're going to spend a majority of the time today, Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has just uh, spoken, Sermon on the Mount, okay, many of you may know the story, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has just had this miraculous, like, uh, just powerful sermon, comes down from the mountain, and Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who writes Matthew, uh, chooses over the next few chapters to include nine specific miracles that Jesus performs, Okay, so Matthew tells us that Jesus was just teaching on the kingdom of God. Now he steps down the mountain to show us what this kingdom on earth really looks like. And Matthew includes nine specific miracles to reveal to us what this kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven truly looks like. Now it's important to note that these are not all in order. But inspired by the Holy Spirit, the first miracle Matthew wants us to understand that displays the heart of God towards you and me and all of creation is that he is compassionate, that he sees those that no one else sees, that he goes to lengths no one else will go. Compassion matters. And in fact, as as human beings created in the image of God, compassion really truly lies at the core of, of who we are created to be. This is oftentimes why we feel guilty when we just walk past somebody and we saw them, you know, like you're going in and out of a store and you really don't want to look at that person because if you look, then you're going to be, Ugh. so we try not to look, right? There's something in us that is drawn towards those who are hurting and broken. And it's because we were made in the image of a creator who decided that when I communicate who I am, the first thing I want you to know is that I am compassionate, Compassion. Matters and the act of compassion towards others is an integral part of experiencing both the fullness of life and wholeness if we're truly going to experience this full life that God asked for us and step fully into wholeness compassion needs to be at the be at the core of that it, it is both it is both integral to the one receiving it and the one giving it and what's interesting is in here in, in Matthew these these uh, miracles that Matthew tells us about. What, what, he's, what he's gonna show us is the lengths that this compassion is willing to go. Because he can tell us a story about a leper, about a woman, and about a Gentile. All three would have created a sense of shock and awe that this one who just preached the kingdom of heaven now says this is what the kingdom of heaven does. This is what the kingdom on earth does. Psalm 145 And verse 8 says this about the Lord. The Lord is gracious, and watch this, full of compassion. He is slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Jesus didn't just perform compassionate acts, but he felt compassion. He was moved with compassion. He was full of it. He was full of compassion. He came to suffer with us and more to do so on our behalf. Christ is, in fact, a divine compassion himself come in the flesh. And what I love about Jesus and what we see here in Matthew chapter 8 is this. Jesus never allowed his perfection to prevent his affections. Though fully God, fully man, he never allowed his perfection to get in the way of how he felt about man. Though perfect, He found himself in places that you and I would never go, that you and I don't want to go, that aren't comfortable for us, that aren't convenient to us. But Jesus said, though I don't need to go there, I desire to go there. Though no one else wants to talk with them and meet with them and comfort them and be with them in this time, I desire to be there. Because here's the reality. Um, Compassion, let let me say it like this. Empathy is compassion. Sympathy is compassion. Compassion. Even pity is an element of compassion. But hear me, compassion is not them. Compassion is not, it's like the whole, like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square kind of a situation, you know? And I might have butchered that, might be the backwards, but you get what I'm saying, okay? The, the word compassion used in, used in the Hebrew scriptures is this word that speaks of from the depths of one's core, from the womb. It 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 shows us this picture of like the loving like the loving nature of a mother to a baby in her womb. For, from the, it is core. It is central to a human. The the word for compassion used in the in the New Testament again talks about the the it's it's like from the depths of your bowels. Okay, now that's very like graphic and we don't really want to think about it. But it's like it's the love that you have that just like it it eats at your insides. That this, this word for compassion used throughout all the scripture is a deeply emotional word. And in fact, if you, were to, if you were to study it, psychologists and sociologists still don't agree on exactly what the closest word to these, these words of compassion really are. That's why sometimes in your Bible, it'll be translated empathy. It'll be translated sympathy. It'll be translated pity. Because all of them attempt to do a word justice that only the person of Jesus can really do. Jesus is divine compassion on display for us. In fact, I'll say it like this. Um, True biblical compassion, watch this, maintains a connection between both what is earthly and what is eternal. I mean, this is why we struggle with this so much. Have you ever heard this statement? Um, Just when when somebody's going through a hard time, they talk about jumping in the well with them. Have you heard this statement? Um, It's not a very good strategy. Okay, because if I jump in the well, then there's nobody to get us out of the well. Okay, Um, and and what, what compassion shows us, true biblical compassion shows us that never at any point was Jesus so overwhelmed by the feelings of others that he did not see the purpose for which he was sent. Jesus always wept with those who wept, cared with those who were broken and hurting, sought after them, but knew the solution at the same time. He was connected to a solution. True biblical compassion is not sitting and we just, we cried together and then we just like leave. No, no, no. True biblical compassion says, I will weep with you. I will cry with you. I can rejoice with you. And at the same time, when at the right time, I will direct you to the one who ultimately can and will help you. This is why we struggle with this so much because we, we so easily can just get blinded by the feelings and the emotions that are going on. And Jesus says, those are not. I'm not trying to devalue those in any way I gave you those emotions, but let me be clear, I will never be so overwhelmed that I cannot see where I am taking you. Maybe you've heard the statement before, Jesus loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. That's this reality, that God will meet you anywhere, but he loves you so much that he has more for you. He has somewhere he desires to take you. He has a life he desires that you and I were to truly experience, and it's through his compassion that he desires to lead lead us there. If we're to be moved with compassion for those around us, we must first be moved by his compassion. The reality is is the the longer I live, the, the more I realize that the crux of this Christian life and following Jesus is simply giving away everything that I've received from him. Like, like if we were to really just boil it down, it's recognizing that nothing I have, like everything is just his. Everything he has given me, and really my, my whole life ought to be lived just giving away everything that I have experienced so freely in the person of Jesus. Like that's what this life is truly about and is, if any of us today, we would hope to be recipients of Christ's compassion. First thing that we have to do is understand our own helplessness. Because at the, at the core of compassion is humility. It's me saying, I, I don't think too highly of myself that I'm not willing to help someone who's hurting, to help someone who's broken, to help someone who, who truly needs help because I once was there. In Matthew chapter eight, Uh, I wrestled with this all week, really, because I I felt initially like the Lord had kind of outlined some points to give you and related to compassion. And and I wrestled with it for a while because it really just wasn't coming together. And then I felt like the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night on Thursday and said, Isaac, they're not points, they're questions. Because this isn't about telling people what to do. This is about revealing the question that we ought to respond to. And in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus shows us three questions that are that really all of humanity is wondering in proving who he truly is. Jesus answers three questions that the man doesn't even ask. And the first one is this. First question this man is asking and, and we ask often is, God, do you see me? And do you see my need for help? See, where kindness sees and responds, compassion goes beyond that. Compassion goes far beyond simply seeing someone. Compassion says, I will dig in and truly see the need that you have. Jesus is not too busy to walk by and notice you and keep going and be like, hey, praying for you. Got it. You're in my thoughts. No, Jesus... Jesus stops. This man in Matthew chapter eight runs to Jesus. Now, now, mind you, you have to understand here for a second that this is so taboo, so provocative, so, so like out of the order, out of custom. It is so not okay for this man to go anywhere near Jesus. And yet Jesus sees him and takes time to see the need that he has. I'll say it like this. Jesus is intimately aware of the one. Oh, Jesus sees the crowds for sure. But you have to understand today, one of the things you need to understand even as we come into moments like this is this is not about us coming in as a crowd to, to praise Jesus and to hear about him. No, this is us coming in recognizing that Jesus sees me individually sitting here right now with the needs and the issues that I've got. He intimately sees the one. Let me prove it to you. Luke chapter 10, verse 33. Okay, this is a story about God's heart and how we should treat other people too. But this is about the good Samaritan. He's, he's showing the heart of the father. Luke, Luke 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan man, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And watch this. When he saw him, he had compassion. Jesus is telling a parable. But this, this is what the father's heart is like. This is what he is like. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. Again, another parable showing about what the heart of the father is like. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, story of the prodigal son, his father, watch this, saw him and had compassion and ran and fell at his neck and kissed him. Luke chapter 7, verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Do not weep. He sees the one. He sees beyond just you. You have to understand today, Jesus sees your need and your cries move his heart. The thing that is going on in your life actually truly does move the heart of God. It really truly does. You're important to him. And the things that are going on in your life are also important to him. He cares and he desires that you and I would actually submit those individual things to him. In fact, he will actually sit down. He is so good, so gracious, so kind, so compassionate. He will sit down and walk through your pains one by one. He loves you. He cares for you. He has compassion for you. But if we're going to see what he sees, we have to go where he's willing to go. What's beautiful about Jesus is he oftentimes finds himself outside of the city gate, outside of the temple, outside of the boundaries and the limits that the religious people set of this is as far as I'll go. This is where I stop. In fact, those who are hurting broken and this man a leper here in this moment would have been outside of those gates so that. The religious people, the people that I just want to go about my day. I don't want anything to get in my way. I don't want anybody to interrupt me. I kind of want to just do what I'm comfortable doing. And I don't want to have any issues where I might have to like do anything. We're going to put all those people outside so that I can just pretend like they're not there. They were ostracized. They were kicked out. And yet that's where we find Jesus most. Henry, you got to understand. Ministry happens out there. Like that's where it is. That's why, like, that's why there's moments, and even Brad's talking about this liberty that we have, like, that's why this is so important, is that we would go out there, minister to people, they would come in here, and we would see people responding to the love and the compassion of Jesus every weekend as a result of it. Because ministry is to be done out there. Now, there's things for us to do in here, absolutely, and there's moments where we have these incredible moments and encounters with God. But Jesus continually found himself outside of the city gates. And if you and I are going to walk in true biblical compassion towards others, we have to be willing to go where he was willing to go so that we can see and respond how he would truly respond. Biblical compassion is going to log some miles in your life. Like you're going to put some miles on your car truly responding to people with biblical compassion. It is. He's often found outside of the city gate. And I've said this before, but but it remains true. If what you see is all you can see, you're not seeing all that needs to be seen. If what you can see with your natural human eyes is all you see on a daily basis, you are missing so much of what God has for you. So much of the people that God has put in your way on purpose to see and to respond with compassion. Too often, what gets in our way is we're distracted. And to be honest, we're desensitized. Because we see pain, we see hurt everywhere. Too distracted with phones, with what we got, with our calendars, with everything that's coming up. But we have to be willing to see, do you see me and my need for help? Jesus says, yes, I do. He is moved by and moved towards people that we ought to be moved towards as well. Second question that we see in Matthew chapter eight from this leper is, as this leper, Jesus is coming down the mountain, he's just preached this message and he is, he's journeying and, and, and this leper approaches Jesus and says, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, and really isn't, isn't that the question that we're all wondering on a daily basis? Uh, here's what I found, it's not if God is able that's difficult for me at times to believe. So with everything that he's got going on and with how small my life truly is, does he care? Is he willing? Do you really want to help me? Lord, do you really want to get involved in what I'm going through right now? Yep. But God, of all the things, and and hear me, we often think that God wants to be a part of what we think is really big and he doesn't need to be a part of nor want to be a part of what we think is really small. But hear me, if you're impatient and you just desperately, like you don't know how to get your four-year-old to listen to you at times, like God cares and wants to help with that too. God's not just worried and want to get involved in your financial situation. God doesn't just, he isn't just able and willing and wanting to get involved in your marriage challenges, though he does. God wants to help you with those stressors that seem to just keep coming at work that that, that don't make you the most patient person, that, that maybe don't allow you to be the best example there. God wants to, God wants to speak to you and, and to meet you in ways that you and I oftentimes deem insignificant. God, do you really want to help me? Yes, absolutely, Absolutely, I do. Here's what you'll find. He is willing and able. Notice, the leper never asked the Lord if he could. He simply asked him, Lord, if you're willing, you can help me. And I think a lot of times why we don't pray certain prayers that God's waiting for us to pray is because we don't think that he's actually willing to help us. Oh, he's able, but is this not this. Oh, he's able, but not, I don't know that this truly, I'll I'll figure this out on my own. No, no, no. He's willing there too. He's willing to get involved in places that you're not even willing to get involved in. He's willing to help you in areas that you're not even willing to communicate. Oh, he's willing. Make no mistake about it. He desires to be close to you. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, therefore he is also able to save the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, do you realize the extent? He's willing and able may have an abundance for every good work. Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Isaiah chapter 41, because you might say, hey, Isaac, all three of those said he's able. Watch this, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not for who I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will Help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There is nothing he cannot do. And what he can do, he wills to do. He desires to help you. In fact, Isaiah 41 says, I desire so much to help you that there are things in your life I will not send an angel to help you. I will not send, I myself am gonna be the one that help holds you in this situation. So you make no mistake about it that I care. I wonder, I wonder how free we could live and how full of peace and joy we might be able to walk and extend compassion to the people around us if we truly got a revelation that God was able and he is ready and willing at any moment's notice to help us and get involved in every area of our life. But again, so often we withhold things, but you must understand that your cries are Move the heart of God. I'll probably say it four more times before we're done because you have to understand your cries move the heart of God. Compassion is powerful. Jesus didn't just feel sorry for those in need, He didn't just say, Oh, I'll pray for you. Oh, I've got you in my thoughts. Oh, hey, like, hey, talk to that person. Hey, like, okay, go get involved in community. Yes, that, yes, you should get involved in community, but I'm gonna go a step further. I myself am willing and able to help you at any moments. Notice, our willingness to believe that he can and he will, will directly impact our ability to both receive and display his compassion to others around us. If you don't believe God's truly willing to help you in every area. There will be pieces of your and his relationship that you will keep at a distance. God says, I wanna be involved in every area of your life. And you see the irony that oftentimes the issue with the fact that you and I receive this and have experienced this, yet we withhold it from others so, so often. This compassion, this compassion that says, I will... I will see people, I will stick around. Hear, hear me, compassion, compassion is slow. Compassion doesn't allow you to get to your next meeting on time all the time. Compassion will ask you to go the long way to work. Compassion will ask you to take the day off today because God wants to do something and, and I, don't, I don't need you at work right now, I need you at home because there's, there's some acts of compassion that I wanna do between you and your wife. Uh, the, compassion will ask you to go to stores that you don't go to. Compassion will ask you to stick around at lunch a little longer because God wants to wow someone else. Compassion will, compassion will change your plans. What I love about Jesus is Jesus doesn't say, I Jesus doesn't just say, I see you and I see the issue you're going through. He doesn't just say, I will, I'm willing and I'm able. But Jesus went a step further in front of others to touch that which was unclean. To say, I'm not just willing and able, but I'm willing to come close enough to actually help you. Third question that humanity that we often ask and that this world is desperately asking as it relates to God is, will he come close enough to help me? Because the reality is, is oftentimes when I need help the most is when I feel the most lonely. It's when I feel the most by myself. It's when I feel like I don't have anybody that I can share this with. I don't have anybody that I can give this to. I don't have anybody. What says that God will come closer than my closest friends? Except for scripture says he sticks closer than a brother. Says he'll sit with you. God will come close enough to show you that he actually does in fact want to help. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is near, watch this, to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The reality is, is biblical compassion is this. It's risky, it's messy, it's inconvenient, It's costly. So the Good Samaritan found out that when God asks you to respond in compassion to people, it actually might cost you something sometimes. When Jesus was sent to move with compassion towards us, it cost him his life. Compassion's risky because it will ask you to go places that you're not used to going. It will ask you to do things that seem... Not okay, it'll ask you to do some things that seem uncomfortable. It will ask you to help those that you and I oftentimes overlook. But biblical compassion is what we're being asked to step into. Compassion changes lives. Compassion sees, compassion moves towards, compassion gets dirty, it picks people up. Compassion does what is needed when it's needed, not when I'm ready. Hear me, compassion will often be asked of you Granted, God is asking us to live a life of compassion all the time, but in the moments when God will oftentimes ask us to respond in compassion to the people in our life, it will not be when you want to. It will not be when you have it planned out. It will not be when you schedule that day to be a part of that outreach. No, that is awesome and you should do that. But there are people on the road of your life every day that are asking Does he see me? Does he see my need? Does anyone else see me? Does anyone else see my need? Is anybody willing to help? This God that you speak of, is he even willing to help? I mean, I can come to grips with he's able, sure, but is he truly, actually willing? And if he's willing, how come everybody that, that walks by me moves to the other side of the road so that they don't have to actually come close? Everybody chooses another door. Everybody waits inside until I leave before they come out. Will he actually come close enough to my dirt, to my mess? to my hurt, to my brokenness? The answer to every one of those questions tonight, friend, is yes. He does see you. He does see your need. He is able, for sure. He's willing. And will he come close enough? His answer is yes. And his answer is, I am right here, right now. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and he has tender mercies are all over his works. He was full of it. And may that be said of us as well.